Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. One government shutdown ends, another on the horizon. Does it take a latte to be president? And does the Super Bowl matter to you this year? All this and more on Three C's in a Pod. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show, as always, John Schofield and Chris Savello. Good morning, everyone. As I always say, before we begin the show, you can get more of the provision conversation out there in the Twitterverse and let us know your thoughts at ProV Advisors, that's P-R-O-V Advisors, or check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. We'd love to hear from you. Hey folks, it seems like each week gives us more than the price of admission in the communications and messaging game. We have the politics of another looming shutdown in front of us, a recall on Tyson and Purdue chicken that you may have missed. And oh, by the way, this week it's colder in the continental United States than it is in Siberia and Antarctica. So listen, grab some long johns and a blanket and let's get into this. We're here to talk shop on all these subjects and figure out just what makes it above the fold and why. So Let's get to doing what we do best here at Provision Advisors. As you already know, first up is Rearview Mirror, where we look at issues from the previous week. John, I'll start with you. What do you see back there? The cold and the weather. So obviously, yes. it, it doesn't matter. I, I threw the Today Show on um, this morning, as I always do. And, and it really does not matter what else is happening in the news. If, if there is an interesting weather event, if they can throw Al Roker on like an icebreaker out in the middle of the Hudson River or something, that's what they'll lead with. I mean, obviously, incidents like the Vegas shooting or, or anything like that's huge news will lead off the Today Show. But I would say nine times out of ten, you're going to get weather to always lead it off. And if they can throw like Miguel Almanguer out there at some weird spot and a polar suit, you know, then, then they'll do it. They, they love weather and, and it's, and it's interesting because it affects all of us. And, and when you get these one-off events where it's like minus 36 degrees, I was watching the, the Villanova DePaul game from uh, Chicago last night and they were just mm-hmm. talking about what students had to go through to walk like two blocks on campus just to get to the arena it was minus 30 something degrees wow that's crazy and uh and and it's it's obviously a newsworthy event it affects uh almost everybody you're talking about ice completely paralyzing atlanta on the on the eve of the super bowl you're talking about the bitter cold in the midwest you're talking about the wind chills here um, you know, luckily for Maryland public schools, today's an off day. If it wasn't, I bet you they'd be either wow. canceling school or delaying school. So it's, it's obviously a huge story right now. Right, right. It was, uh, it was rather disheartening to um, wake up this morning and look at some of the headlines coming out of Chicago, uh, where I actually saw reportedly um, 15 homeless people uh, found frozen to death. So uh, just looking at that and as, as a news uh, as a news headline was uh, was just tragic. So the cold is really nothing to play with. No. Um, listen, there's a whole lot to, to look back in the rearview mirror. Uh, as we all know, the news cycle moves faster and faster as each day passes. Uh, for myself, I try to look at a large canvas of news uh, from very trusted, trusted sources. Uh, just a few things that I wanted to, to sort of point out uh, in, in no particular order, but a couple of books came out this week uh, and, and we're making the rounds on the news, uh, news programs. 
Cliff Sims uh, book, Team of Vipers. Cliff Sims, a uh, former um, Trump associate. Uh, High level Trump associate. Like he was yeah, big <laughs> in the administration. Somewhere, somewhere between a high level uh, operator and a gopher. Um, also, <laughs> also uh, former governor of New Jersey, uh, Republican Chris Christie, uh, with his book, Let Me Finish, uh, was, was making the rounds yesterday. Probably continues to be on some of the talk shows. So, you know, again, just oh, I, I, I've lost track uh, of the books that have come out in just the two years. Uh, associated with this uh, with this administration, and uh, always interesting to hear, you know, sort of having an ear uh, ear to the wall uh, on on the goings ons of, of a White House. I can't remember the last time people were were this sort of, you know, dialed in <laughs> on, on what goes on in the day to day. And then as we we, we look at messaging, um, you know, I, I talked about having a large canvas uh, of news, being able to take in. Uh, as much news as, as I possibly can from from sources that I trust. Uh, and to that end, it's interesting to look at um, how the White House puts out information, how the president puts out information, and then how that gobbles up bandwidth. Specifically, uh, we started to see uh, specific messages talking about, uh, I believe it's up to three caravans that are moving through Central America. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't on their way to the southern border. Uh, and just how that gobbles up bandwidth. And then what happens is we forget, and we talked about this last week with the shooting out of Sebring, Florida at the SunTrust Bank, but we've had another tragic shooting in America, uh, at least, well, at least one. I know we've had more, but one that, that got a little bit, a little bit of news was out of Houston, where you had upwards of five police officers uh, from the city of Houston uh, that were injured in a, in a drug raid. Uh, and where, you know, I don't know, just maybe a year ago, that would have gotten um, headlines for, for multiple days. Uh, and, and here this one gobbled up maybe a little bit of time um, over the course of an afternoon uh, as it was happening. And then it just sort of went away. So, you know, for me, looking back in the rearview mirror is just how all of the, uh, the items that are, that are thrown into the news cycle, uh, what bubbles to the top and then what doesn't and how we've seen the shift uh, in the news. So, well, I, I want to get back to, well, I want to get to Chris's rearview mirror, but it gets back to what Chris said last week about shooting fatigue. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to put something up on our blog here uh, this week um, right. where I'm going to repurpose an op-ed written by the brother of one of the assistant editors of the Annapolis Capitol who died in that shooting on June 28th. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where, where he specifically, he sort of made our points. Um, Carl Hyacin is his name. Um, and, and he talks specifically about the Sebring shooting and then brings up issues like, well, you know, uh, tough to have a shooting when there are these other pop culture events in the, um, in the uh, news cycle. You know, don't, don't have a school shooting or a bank shooting when the Oscar nominations are coming out, which is a, a bit of a cynical viewpoint. But, you know, this man lost his brother and there are a lot of people who wonder um, you know, what, why that doesn't make news. Uh, and, and again, it, it's just a matter of other things being out there, like a Trump announcement, how they suck up all of the bandwidth with their announcements. And, and I'll talk again here in a minute about how the weather uh, takes up all the bandwidth and, and, and what I had to do on live TV this week with that. But it, it's all about understanding how quickly that can move and shake and, and all of a sudden they want a different message. They want a different piece of information. And sometimes shootings just, they just don't make the cut, you know, Chris? 
Yeah, we talked a little bit last week, um, as you mentioned, about shooting fatigue, um, and really it it becomes issue fatigue. Um, there just does not appear to be an appetite for a multi-day, you, you know, to say nothing of a multi-month issue um, from a communication standpoint. And uh, and with each successive blip, that blip gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and I mean, you, you could argue that this White House is using that to their advantage uh, with the Mueller probe. And, and again, not trying to get political, but just from a news standpoint, um, each successive um, blip or pop in the Mueller probe seems to be less and less uh, interesting to the audience at large. If you if you follow the uh, if you follow the the statistics that are out, um, and uh, so from a communication standpoint, from a communication advisor standpoint, I mean it really does feel like we're in this constant state of crisis communication. Um, and, and I don't want to overuse the term crisis communication, but I mean, we're in this short term, hey, get your message out, really maximize your your message and hope for an immediate response and then kind of move on. And the idea that you get a second bite at the apple, is it's just not the way it is right now. So, I mean, I think it, it really forces you to reconsider and refocus uh, the way that you do communication. John, I think we'll all be looking forward to your upcoming blog on the uh, effectiveness of issue management. Uh, I know I am. Uh, Chris, you're going to get the last swing on Rearview Mirror. Uh, what do you see? Um, so Roger Goodell is what made the news this week. But uh, two weeks ago, um, there was a blown call uh, in the Saints-Rams game that really... Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't... Oh. You hadn't heard about it. I must have, yeah, I must have missed that. You missed that. So, I mean, no, no big, I I say no big deal. I'm not a Saints fan. What what I mean is, is that 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 happens, right? I mean, and, and you you know, you could argue the level of egregiousness of of the call. But what I found um, particularly troubling was the silence on the part of the, the NFL, um, particularly the commissioner. And so it got me thinking as it took two weeks uh, to unfold. And then as the commissioner spoke this week, I mean, where, what is the analogy in business or in the military? Um, you, you know, and the, I guess the best I could come up with is using our military experiences. Is, um, imagine if there was a pretty um, well-publicized accident in which people got hurt or property was damaged or people were killed and the either the local leader or the leader of the service uh, said nothing for two weeks, right? Um, and uh, what, what kind of uh, what kind of confidence would that instill? What kind of confidence would that um, degrade? Uh, and, and I find myself still being shocked that it took two weeks for him to come out and say anything. Um, his remarks yesterday were really unimpressive from the sense of it wasn't like there was an aha moment. I mean, certainly you would think with the level of talent that there is at, at corporate NFL communications that they could have come up with something like that last week and at least, um, you know, maintained some of the trust uh, that, that the fans had. It's the perfect time for him to come out and he didn't have to come out and throw the referees under the bus. He didn't have to come out and openly side with the Saints. He didn't have to come out and say, well, I'm advocating for a rematch between the Saints and the 
um, and the Rams because of this incredible injustice. He didn't have to do anything like that. He, all he had to do, like you said, Chris, was to come out and be the face of the organization. You make $40 million a year. Um, so get out from under your desk and, and come out the day or two after the game and be like, hey, obviously there's some concerning things there. We're going to take a look at them. I, I'm watching. I want everyone to know that I'm watching. Of course, I'm watching. I'm the commissioner. And, and I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to definitely make this part of our, uh, our priority list as we go into the offseason. So then you're done. Then shut up and then focus on how awesome the commercials are going to be in the game. But he did nothing of that. It was awful. So very quickly, Bash, I'll throw it to you first and maybe John and we can all take a quick swing. If you're the, if you're the PR lead communicator for the NFL and the commissioner asks you, hey, what, what's the approach here? Uh, you know, what, what is your advice to, to the commissioner? My advice, as, as I always say, and, and we talk about this, you got to get out in front. Get, get out in front of it because it's because it just what happened here. It snowballed, it snowballed, it snowballed. And then the only information leading up to, because I was following this yesterday when he had his press conference, um, the, the expectation management was he had a hole already. So you're speaking from a, a hole that essentially you dug. And then he didn't, you know, he didn't do anything. Every uh, From Mike Freeman to Jason Lockenfor, uh, other folks that I were following that were down in Atlanta at that news conference, they came away with, you know, eh. Nothing, you know, nothing to see here. I will tell you, the best response I saw from uh, from a leader was the Drew Brees Instagram post that he sent out to other New Orleans fans to actually help yep. to actually help quell the fervor, the the the, the, the sort of vitriol that that um, I guess what would you call it, Saints Nation, who that nation, uh, what what those New Orleans Saints fans were, were feeling uh, over that blown call. So yeah, Chris, my, my advice to, to the commissioner would have been get out in front, talk about just, we, we, we strive to get it right. And this is a situation where we got it wrong. Listen, we can't go back in time. We're going to endeavor to get it right the next time. Uh, and, and, and that's all you can say, unless you're going to make some, some new rule where you play the game over again. I mean, it's just, that's just, yeah. it's not going to happen, but you got to get out in front with your messaging. That's my take. Bashan, Bashan's exactly right. So I never push people to other podcasts because I just think ours is the best. But Freeman's interview on the Tony Kornheiser show was amazing when he talked about Goodell's silence. Um, and, and it really was silence. Now, I'll, I'll walk it a bit back a little bit from Bashan in that I, I, I think what they were probably trying to do and what I would advise people to always do is, hey, they're, they're, you know, I know that information moves at, at incredible speeds now and that once you get behind you're behind um, but give it like a day or two you know like, all right the game's over on Sunday the, the the Saints fans are beside themselves but they're just gonna tear Bourbon Street down tonight and get after it and let's let's see how this whole thing plays on Monday and Tuesday uh, before we as Bash said get out in front of it because on that Monday or Tuesday is when you could get that Brad Pitt death, you could get that uh, natural disaster, you could get that next thing that sucks the air out of the news cycle. Um, you know, so I, I would have maybe waited 
three or four days. And and then right there as he got into the middle of the week and the and the end of the week, I would have been like, All right, man, you gotta get out there. The the NFL is a Goliath of a brand. I think we can all agree on that. Uh that he let so much time go by was one thing. And then the fact that that brand took another hit with, I don't know if you want to call it a football game. It's titled the Pro Bowl, but it wasn't a football game. So the fact that your brand, <laughs> that your brand took another hit and it just made people look at the whole thing even more. I mean, it's just, in my opinion, the, the hole just got deeper by the time he got to the podium yesterday. Gentlemen, really great discussion as always. Uh, Great way to start things off. Uh, folks, we're going to take a break and come back with Deep Dive. You're listening to Three Season of Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. And we're back on Three Season of Pod. It's time for Deep Dive. This week, we're going to utilize our Provision Advisors 3C rubric to dissect recent political happenings in the news. All right, Bash. So here, here's what I um, here's kind of what I was thinking throughout the week uh, using control comp points and cosmetics. Um, I, here's here's how I would score, and then I, I thought we could go through a couple of the events and maybe do this uh, over the next year or so. For sure. me. For me, control, um, you know, an A is uh, the candidate in their event is able to hold the news cycle. For comm points, it's they deliver a message that resonates. And for cosmetics, um, you, you know, the optics and the event mechanics uh, were appealing um, and didn't take away from the other two. So that's kind of the lens in which um, I, I'm going to ask that we, uh, we look at uh, a couple of these happenings. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, perfect. Let's do it. Uh, so the first one was Camilla Harris's formal announcement this week in Oakland. Um, you know, like uh, other candidates, she did an informal announcement where she said it was going to happen. And then uh, she held a, uh, a campaign rally in Oakland. Uh, so for me, I thought she was the best thus far getting out of the gate. Um, she, uh, from a hold the news cycle standpoint, I mean, she, she, the day of the event, she was all over it. Uh, in, in terms of uh, it was a well-done event. She had a, a solid message on the communication standpoint, and it really did the event itself and how she made the announcement um, from an optic standpoint and an event mechanic standpoint. I mean, A-plus a uh, for sure. Yeah, I thought she was amazing. Um, and, and again, I, I listened to uh, Pod Save America. They had um, one of the uh, one of the beat reporters out there following who follows Kamala Harris around um, and, and, and sort of chronicled the lead up to that announcement and then how the announcement resonated. And, and she just killed it. it to come out after the kind of the oddity of Elizabeth Warren's announcement and some of the other announcements that came out after that, which I, I really didn't think did very well. She knew that she was, um, other than Beto O'Rourke, she knew she was one of the bigger names out there that people were wondering about. Rising star, district attorney, attorney general, and now replacing a, a total household name as, as uh, a senator from the state of California. She came out and she did very, very well in that. Now, I'll, I'll take it one step further from Chris, is how you handle within those three C's, then how do you handle the the ever-present criticisms that are going to be out there on you. And, and she's had, I, I won't take up this entire podcast, she, she's had 
some issues out there with with certain cases in Oakland in California um, where she has been labeled to have been either inconsistent or or kind of flippy floppy on particular issues and and she she really deflected those very very well um, it, it's a matter of how that record uh, as an attorney general um, how it how it is played, how she defends it, how she handles inaccuracies or inconsistencies in her past going forward in the next few months, that'll, that'll be key. But like Chris said, she got the ball rolling exactly the way she should. I, I completely agree. I have to tell you, as a news junkie, and I think we're, we're each news junkies in our own way, I, I find this so very fascinating uh, to sit and consume and watch what's happening uh, with her announcement, with her rollout. The, the lead up to it, I, I wanna say she was on MSNBC, uh, on Morning Joe, maybe a week, perhaps, just a few days before that Saturday announcement in Oakland, uh, the weekend announcement in Oakland, uh, where she was very uh, passionate um, about uh, how she felt uh, a, a, a candidate, a candidate, excuse me, for president uh, should should be, you know, what what sort of uh, values and, and, and morals she was she was going to bring to the table. But what's even more fascinating uh, for me is to watch uh, a woman whose father was Jamaican, whose mother is is Indian, was Indian, excuse me, um, and just see how we, as a American public. Uh, try to put her, you know, well, she's got to be over here or she's, she's got to be here. And just to watch that conversation, to see her um, talk about her, her college time at Howard University, uh, to see the reaction uh, from her sorors, uh, from uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha uh, sorority, uh, to see how, how they um, back her and how they support her and, and, and uh, critique her. Uh, and John, to the point that you made about her, her prosecutorial prosecutorial past uh, and some of the the negative pieces that that have come out of that, and that's in the news, and and then just this whole discussion discussion of intersectionality and, and how a a woman uh, candidate is treated uh, in the news and elsewhere, um, and just bringing forth uh, topics of uh, of feminism, uh, gender equality, social equality. And, and how that all boils into this pot of a candidate for president. It, it's mesmerizing to watch. I'm excited about it. Um, of course, I'm going to be keeping an eye on, uh, on just, you know, how, how we treat the, the men versus, and, we, and look, we saw this, I mean, look, we can go as far back as Shirley Chisholm uh, running back in the seventies, but um, to see where we are now and, and uh, how this playing field um, sort of evolves uh, as she runs for president. But, but yes, uh, can't, can't argue that the rollout has just been magnificent. So let's, uh, let's go to um, the second event that I, uh, that I wanted to bring up this week. And that was uh, um, Howard Schultz. Uh, I would describe it as dipping his toe in the race for, uh, for 2020. Um, Schultz, uh, you know, I think officially it's labeled a book tour, um, but, you know, the book timing and the, the messaging and how he's handling these events is really meant as a precursor and an information gathering um, 
effort uh, to decide whether or not he'll run for 2020 um, yeah. or, it, you know, how, how he, whether, and if you don't believe it's, it's a matter of if, um, it's certainly an intelligence gathering operation uh, for when he does uh, make, make an announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, you, you know, I, I'll, I'll throw it to you, Bash. How did you think he did in regards to control um, communication uh, points and cosmetics in uh, let's just sort of spread it out throughout the week. I have to say, again, watching this through, through a, a lens of just a, a someone taking in the news, but, but also as a, as a professional communicator, he was afforded a great deal of time. So kudos to, to those folks that got him uh, on the various, you know, he was on the view, he was on, uh, on morning Joe, he has the, the, the platform to get a message out, but I don't necessarily agree with the, um, the way he did it. And, and what I mean by that is, and, and people sort of picked him apart on this, he, he, they said, or I guess he, he um, mentioned yesterday, mentioned yesterday, excuse me, that he was surprised by the amount of blowback that he received um, from people on the left, from, from Democrats. Um, well, excuse me, where have you been for, for the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years? Like, did you, with, if you looked at Al Gore and, and, and George Bush, if you looked at the last election and what it means for an independent with, with, with Jill Stein uh, taking votes, yes, you are going to get blowback from people that say, hey, look, all you're doing is siphoning votes away. So the fact that they were surprised about that is, is um, you know, I don't know why you would be surprised. But did he maximize the time that he had and, and with trying to get his message out? Eh, yeah, oh, okay, you, you, you received a lot, of, a, a lot of screen time. But I don't know that his message at, to this point is really going to resonate above the fervor and um, the, the voices that are coming from a very progressive left. Uh, I think he's going to get drowned out. Um, and this, this whole thing with business, uh, a business person, a business tycoon, a billionaire, um, trying to push a message on, uh, on Americans and thinking that it's going to resonate, mm, I gotta say, I think we're a little bit past it. And, and again, it's a different type of fatigue, but it is a fatigue. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, it, it, you have to consider timing. So when does he decide to do it? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people always said, yeah, it, it, there's, it's, there's something meritorious about being a tough act to follow. And, and, and that works on, you know, the comedy circuit. It works in, shoot, maybe public affairs. You know, no one wanted to be the person who replaced Chris Cervello at a particular job in Navy public affairs. You know, so now you've got Kamala Harris out there who just murdered it as, as Chris just detailed. And then he decides to be the next guy up with his billionaire Starbucks brand. And Hey, I don't like Medicare for all, but by the way, I'm on Medicare. You know, so just complete the, the, the message misalignment, the, um, and, and then knowing that the timing of it was going to spur outrage from the left, that all of a sudden, all of the comparisons to Ross Perot were coming up. Like, remember what Ross Perot and Ralph Nader did as independents? They ruined it for everybody. And 
now we're going to reelect Trump because this guy is is in the race. And and before he really even had a chance to to do the three C's, before he even had a chance to to manage it and sell his brand and make people understand him, his timing coming right after Kamala Harris and and then immediately people saying, all right, well, how is this going to hurt Kamala Harris because she just killed it? Uh, you, you've you've hurt yourself timing wise, and and now they're they're attaching um, their dislike for his message misalignment, for his truth misalignment, and and now he's behind the curve, and and I think a lot of people are going to try to think on this, like the Bloombergs of the world, the Larry Hogans of the world, people who are considering being that interesting candidate uh, that isn't necessarily going to just be right from the Democratic Party to challenge the incumbent. They're, they're going to learn from what Howard Schultz did and did not do. I just, so, I'm sorry, Chris. I, I thought I'd jump in here with this last thing. I, I was listening to him speak yesterday, and for someone who has just been a Democrat for so very long, his argument for why he wanted to run as an independent was, to me, very tired. Like it was tired and it wasn't very convincing. If you've got such strong points that you want to make and you feel like, well, I'm going to do this because I no longer agree that the two-party system can get it done. Uh, government is, is, is stifled. It's not moving. Look, we just had this 35-day government shutdown. The two sides are doing nothing. So I'm going to be this independent and drive the wedge and make change. Uh, I, no, 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 no. Uh, not the timing. The timing is wrong. Um, jump in there as the Democrat you've always been and do the work. Do the work to push the narrative another direction. Um, that you, you Just saying that it's gone too far left and, and walking away, uh, I feel, is a, is a cop-out. That's, that's my, my opinion on that. Well, I mean, I, you certainly captured, I think, what uh, at least most of the media that I saw, I mean, you, you captured their... Uh, reaction or they captured you, your reaction. I mean, th they were, um, you, you know, opining and questioning along those same lines. Um, I, I do question, you know, looking at it through the lens of the three C's, I do question the timing. Um, I mean, you know, I would say for what he's trying to do now, I think he's a little late. Uh, I think that the time perhaps to do that would have been, maybe in the fall um, before folks really got out there uh, to, you know, if the goal was to put your toe in the water and then, um, you know, make a decision or kind of kick off your around the world tour, around the country tour to decide and to talk to folks, um, perhaps he would have had more of a um, solo shot at the news cycle, if that's even possible anymore, um, had, he, had he done it in the fall. So I, I would give him, you know, B minus C plus in terms of control. Now that said, I mean, they were able to hold a good portion of the news cycle throughout the week. I mean, it's been three days uh, going on four days of talking about Howard Schultz and getting some of these things out and getting people familiar with him. Uh, I do think that, you know, his, his message that he, I think, wanted to deliver was that, you know, self-made man, American dream, uh, you, you know, I came from poverty. Um, and so I'm not like some of the other business uh, folks that you've seen before, a la President Trump. 
Um, you know, I, I'm a different type of business guy. I think he wants to paint himself as an adult, uh, given the things that he did while he was the CEO of Starbucks. And he, you know, and he certainly wants to paint himself different than some of the more left-leaning uh, Democratic candidates. Um, and then he, you know, really wants to play on the idea that he would be very, um, he, he, as a, as a centrist, he would be very different um, than uh, what you see in the Republican and the Democratic parties. I think those are three messages that perhaps could resonate. I just don't know that he delivered them in a way um, that most Americans uh, really got what we just talked about, right? I mean, that's that's three days. What I just captured for you there is me listening for three days, knowing that we were going to talk about it and trying to put a, a bookend on either side of what he's selling. So I think his message needs uh, some work in terms of delivery. Um, and then finally, from a cosmetic standpoint, I mean, I, I think he's a, he's an interesting guy. I mean, it, you, you know, you don't get to be the CEO for as long as he was CEO of Starbucks um, without knowing how to handle yourself. Uh, I mean, I think he's got some some work to do. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. Um, and I know I'm going a little long. I apologize. Sure. I, I just don't know if you have the opportunity anymore to dip your toe in the water, right? If you're not ready for prime time, right. I just don't know that you have a chance. Um, and so my sense is, is that there's something there, but I just don't know that we'll ever get a chance to really see it um, because he's not ready for prime time and because people will lose interest as this, uh, as this process plays out. The window to that to that point, Chris, the, the window is so small to grab, you know, we talked about this earlier in, in the podcast here about what grabs, you know, what, what grabs attention, how much bandwidth uh, can get sucked up. The window is so very small to make this announcement and to become uh, a part of that, that tide. And I tell you right now, um, we didn't talk about it, but Tulsi Gabbard is finding out really quick that that window will close on you very quickly. Right. Oh yeah. It's, it's shut. You know, just as we ended out, I want to tell you how, how funny I find, you know, our modern day Americans that there are some like far left wing Democrats who are going out on Twitter and saying that they are boycotting Starbucks because of him, uh, because of him declaring as an independent and the prospect of it hurting the Democratic Party. Like, does it get any more 2019 American than that? Like, I'm going to boycott my Frappuccino and get it from some other indie niche place in the neighborhood because I don't like that this guy is an independent. It's, I found it very funny. So let, let's switch uh, to our last topic, Bash, uh, before, yes. um, in this segment. Somebody that really, I think, understands the moment and is really making every um, moment count um, is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or simply AOC, as she's become. I mean, she's got that wow factor. Uh, Queen, stand up. Bronx, right. stand up. <laughs> I mean, absolutely grabbed people um, by storm during the uh, Democratic primary, uh, where she uh, upset the incumbent. Um, rode that excitement and that interest through the uh, general election where she really didn't have a, uh, an opponent and then has not only made a solid brand for herself, but is really carving out a brand within uh, democratic politics 
Um, and, uh, you, you, you know, whether you love her, whether you hate her, I think a lot of people want to be just like her. Um, there is somebody that I think has really figured out how to make the three C's work for her. I want to, now listen, um, let me just tell everybody right now, I'm a native New Yorker, albeit from upstate Wappinger Falls, New York, uh, born and raised, uh, about an hour north of the city, but I... <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, of, of AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, he, but here's the thing. So I want to give her A's. I want to give her A's across the board. She is attacking the establishment right now uh, in a way that it's refreshing. It's um, invigorating. It's fun to watch. But I will tell you, I believe it has a shelf life. And that's, where, oh, yeah. and that's where she has to be very careful because what's going to happen is that pendulum is going to swing back. People are going to get tired of the rah, 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 as we're seeing from uh, the sitting president uh, in his tweets. People eventually get tired. Of it. I'll make it short. I'll just say that you named me the last time a freshman congressman was this polarizing, was this vilified, uh, commanded this much attention. To your point, Bash, like, let, let's, see, let's see how much the charisma lasts or how long it lasts and then how much she legislates and how much she um, actually continues to command the respect by doing her job as an elected official. And if she can back up the, the spice with, um, with, with really good governing, then I think she's going to be dangerous. She is trying to make that move into, I don't know if she'll actually sponsor legislation, but she's starting to move beyond rhetoric and get to issues, um, you, you know, with some of the women's uh, equal pay and equal treatment, um, you know, law discussion that happened earlier in the week. There was an announcement last night that she's uh, planning to uh, co-sponsor the this Green New Deal. So, if she's able to make it into, to your point, John, more substantive issues um, that ride on the foundation of the brand that she's built, um, I, I think she has a much higher ceiling maybe than most people think. Um, but again, I go back to what what I said at the beginning, love her, hate her. Um, she, is, uh, she is definitely somebody that has been able to harness uh, the communication uh, her own personal communication talents and harness the environment to to really bubble to the top and stay on people's minds. Gentlemen, an excellent discussion. Uh, shout out to Oakland, uh, Kamala Harris out there as a presidential candidate. Uh, shout out to, to Seattle and uh, coffee. And like I said, shout out to the Bronx and Queens with the AOC. Gentlemen, I think we just took it coast to coast like butter and toast. Uh, listen, we're going to take a break and come back with On the Horizon. You're listening to Three C's in a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. Folks, we're back with three C's in a pod. We've reached the point in the show where we look out on the horizon. Plenty to see out there, and we're up against the clock. So, John, you're up first. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll just go really quick and talk about how it's very interesting, and it will be very interesting going forward to see what happens uh, at the University of Maryland. So here in the last two weeks, you have these two 
two universities who have been getting just punched in the face for the last year plus uh, for myriad issues. Michigan State for the Larry Nasser thing. They just had the outside the lines uh, special on culture uh, investigation come out that campus wide they're having issues. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to me to see how that affects them. They've already they canned Engler, the acting president, who was really very unpopular. And I want to see how the board of trustees handles uh, this latest report, this outside the lines report. And as someone who was who was at the Naval Academy when outside the lines did a special on you, that tends to keep you in the news for a while. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how that goes. They've already taken all of these draconian measures, which were proper. Um, and then all of a sudden, Maryland yesterday, in the middle of the deep freeze, in the middle of all these other things going on, they go ahead and announce that, hey, all of the uh, all of the special investigators we appointed to investigate the Durkin thing, which included Bonnie Bernstein and a lot of other high up people. Um, you know, to serve on this special panel to investigate the football culture, they basically just fleeced us for millions, um, you know, charging egregious amounts uh, to, to basically just to act as an investigative panel, which that panel in the end just recommended, hey, let's keep Coach Durkin, which they didn't do. And then they recommended that, that President Wallace Lowe, the university president, leave, which he then agreed to do. And then yesterday, they walked that back and he's staying for another year. And again, did it make huge news? No, kind of weird. Um, I would have thought there would have been more outcry locally here about it. Um, there was a little bit from you know, some of the more noted sports pundits uh, in the DC area, but hey, there's a deep freeze going on. So it kind of it got brushed under the rug. So on the horizon, I'm looking to see how much Maryland manages that public relations issue and to see if they join Michigan State kind of in timeout going forward. Chris? Yeah, for me, uh, John, I'm looking at the State of the Union. Does it get beyond political theater uh, and get back to a, you know, a traditional, um, respectable event on the political calendar? Uh, I worry that, um, you know, the important tradition piece of the State of the Union is, is far gone and, uh, you, you know, it becomes another knife that uh, political leaders on either side will use to to shiv each other. So uh, we'll, we'll see how uh, we'll see if the country's able to come together, if if only for one night. I mean, as I say it, I kind of roll my own eyes, uh, but that's what I'm watching uh, on the horizon. Gentlemen, some great things to look out there as we uh, as we head into this week. Um, but I think what a lot of people, what, what uh, a good, good number of people here in America are looking forward to is going to be Super Bowl 53, the New England Patriots taking on the Los Angeles Rams uh, down in Atlanta uh, at Mercedes Stadium. Let's just go around the table really quick. Uh, let's hear who you've got in this game, John. Rams. Rams. Why, would I, why would I root for why would I, Rams? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Uh, how about you got you got a uh, you got a spread or anything? Got a score on the game? Um, I am gonna go Rams thirty-one to twenty-three, and hopefully a double tib fib uh, fracture for Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> as gruesome of an injury as possible. I'm obviously joking, Tom. I wish you all the best after you lose a Super Bowl. All right, Chris. What say you? I think that I mean I think the Patriots are going to win. Uh, I'm not rooting for the Patriots. I really don't Shocker. care. Shocker. 
right? I really don't care who wins, but uh, I think the Patriots win. I think it's close for three quarters, and then I think they pull away. I've got them, you know, 35 to 24 Patriots. Yeah, I, uh, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I don't really have a dog in this fight at all. Uh, again, my, my New York background says uh, do not side with the Patriots, but I can't go against conventional wisdom and that conventional wisdom being Giselle Bunchen, who says, what do you want him to do? Throw the ball and catch the ball? At the <laughs> and uh, I think at 41, this guy just might be able to still do that. So, yeah, I, it, it pains me to say, but I think uh, this guy's going to get another ring. Um, listen, that's, uh, that's all the time we have. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, want to thank you for joining us here on Three Season of Pod. Uh, we always welcome your feedback, so please leave us a comment below. Check us out, www.provisionadvisors.net. And until next week, as we always say, be good, be safe, and be better. Thank you for listening to Three Seas in a Pod. Have a great week.